called? I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, folks. Welcome to the official Bizzlecast reaction, but mostly breakdown and analysis of the final trailer of The Witcher coming to Netflix December 20th. I love the games. I love the books. I love this series. I'm a giant fantasy nut, but I think this is one of the best ever. And I know the trailer's been out a few days. I don't normally do sort of traditional reaction videos. Um, but I wanted to actually talk about how loyal a lot of this is to the books, but there's tons of nods to the games, especially The Witcher 3, which won Game of the Year in 2015, and it's considered one of the greatest action RPGs of all time, maybe the greatest, certainly the, the you know, the greatest story, or, or, or is up there. And this is a series that, you know, was, was written by a Polish author in the 90s into the 2000s, and, you know, as, as an avid fantasy reader who's read tons of fantasy in the last 30 years since I was a kid, it's amazing to me that I never came across it. Um, of course, as I'll talk about, among other things, you know, the, the translations were somewhat slow in coming, um, but it's undeniable when you start reading the books how amazing they are, why it was they were able to generate three spectacular video games of content out of it and will be more in the future. This series, which, you know, everyone's hoping will go five to seven seasons if it's as good as it looks. And on top of that, George Martin and everyone from the sort of grim, dark, you know, super dark fantasy genre of the last 20 years took a whole lot from The Witcher. But unlike a lot of grim, dark fantasy, and this is a very dark trailer um, that, that that highlights more of the dark side, there's actually a lot of humanistic themes. There are good guys in it. Like, Geralt is actually a good guy, even though he kills people and monsters. He usually has reasons to. And, you know, ultimately, you know, it, this is a fight for humanity's soul. Um, and so while it shares some um, sort of, uh, you, you know, surface things um, uh, and thematic things and, and graphical things and so forth with uh, books that came after it and, and took liberally from it, like Game of Thrones um, and, and other dark fantasy books of the last 10, 15 years or so. It's actually quite funny at times in very sweet moments between characters um, in otherwise the dark scenario that, that actually reverberates a lot with political things that are going on right now. They talk about pogroms, they talk about concentration camps, they talk about genocide. And as a Polish author, Andrzej Sapkowski, um, post-World uh, War II, uh, um, you know, he was right, right in the middle of, you know, the, the aftermath of the Holocaust and, and the horrificness of World War II um, in Poland and, and around Poland, of course, and he works those themes in. Um, but it's never heavy-handed, and it's always to serve the story. So basically what's going to go on is I'm going to do a sort of, you know, regular trailer reaction uh, with not too much commentary. You've probably seen some of those. Um, and uh, just so we can watch it together. And then I'm actually going to go through it, um, not exactly frame by frame, but scene by scene, uh, not to try and analyze exactly what's going on, but to talk about how really every frame of this um, 
uh, let's put it this way, every line of dialogue and every visual frame of this trailer, um, and the first was like this too, but especially this final full trailer, um, is from the books, especially, but also from the video games, or both, um, including Geralt's voice and including the bathtub scene, uh, which we will get to. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about, as someone who's gone through all eight Witcher books twice now in the last year, via audiobook and reading, uh, the five sort of series saga books and the three short stories books, and I've now played through The Witcher <clears throat> twice, um, uh, you know, heavily through The Witcher, not 100%ing it, but through all the story stuff and the side quests and so forth. So I have a very good sense of the world building of The Witcher, and it looks like they're doing what I was hoping they would do, which is to model uh, Geralt's sort of American cowboy voice on a Geralt from the game, and also to take a lot of the action stuff from the game, because there's actually not a ton of action in the books. It's mostly dialogue and world building, and so for all the big action scenes, they have to take some of their cues from the video game. So, whether you're joining me, know nothing about The Witcher, um, or more likely, you're familiar with the books or the games, or possibly both, some combination or mix, um, stick with me, and we're going to have a really interesting discussion here. So, time to launch the trailer. Okay, so here comes the straight run-through. In three, two, one, go. Dead bodies, sword, purple eyes of Yennefer, who's talking right now. His true love, very mysterious and powerful. Great swordplay already. This is straight from the video game, The Lighthouse. He's a mutant. Very different than the X-Men he's created. Trials of the Grass. There's... Oh, that's the Ard sign. One of his five major magical powers. He hunts monsters, but usually it's humans that he has to take care of. This is the major... Only major departure, I think. It's their introduction. Their seeming introduction here. Lots of naked people in the background. Of course, that's what people are talking about. Looking amazing as Geralt, the orange eyes. This is the key. This is what's separating from Game of Thrones. Right, they straight up say, people are horrible, why not kill them? And he says, then then I am what they say I am, which is a monster. Here it is, Queen of Kalinthi. Their destinies are tied together. We'll get back to that, Ciri and Geralt. Now Ciri has to find Geralt of Rivia. Yep, mm-hmm. Look at this, single shot. The fighting is going to be as good or better than Vikings. There's the roaches, horse, don't judge me. Oh, man. That was great. This bath scene is directly from the beginning of The Witcher 3. One of numerous video game cues. A little Lord of the Rings action. Oh, the Nelf Guardians are so evil. This guy, Mausak, the Druid, is super important. And that's why he talks a lot. I think that's the destruction of Sintra, Ceres City, by the Nelf Guardians. I think that's another one of the witches, uh, the enchantresses. This is definitely, we'll get back to the desert. More sword fighting, great dancing. Right, that's Mousak, Adam Levy. Extremely important in the early part of, of series saga. I can't protect her. I mean, if, if you don't know the series, he sounds very nihilistic for most of this trailer. Uh, look at the red. Right, he says, it's all the same. Hate I'll is hate. Right, I'll take that chance. But he's not saying he's gonna take, he, he's gonna bring calamity. He's just saying I I want to do it my way. Oh man, that was great. Um, that's awesome. Let me just make sure that recorded. Yeah, we should be good. Um, alright guys, so that is The Witcher there. And while I love the Comic Con trailer, whatever it was from a few months ago, 
I was actually fine with not getting a full trailer, but after seeing this and seeing people's reaction, it's about to hit over 10 million views in a couple of days if it hasn't already. Uh, it was really necessary, um, specifically to set up the three main characters. I mean, Dandelion's the main character, but we'll see how they use him. His bard best buddy, uh, Geralt, obviously, the love of his life, uh, Yennefer, who's extremely powerful and seductive and does love him, but also can be very manipulative and have her own agenda. Geralt's pretty honest, to say the least, wears it on his sleeve. And of course, Siri is finding him. Now, um, just really quickly, and we're going to go through uh, the trailer together a little bit here, is you know, there's eight books uh, by Andrei Sapkowski with The Witcher. He started with two short story books. The first one's called The Last Wish, which I urge everybody to read because it's the introduction of him meeting Dandelion and also meeting Yennefer. And while I don't know if we're going to get the origin of him and Dandelion directly or just through story in the um, in the show, um, the, the seeming meeting of him and Yennefer at sort of a ball or royal affair makes total sense within the milieu of the books. Um, but the way they actually meet in The Last Wish, which is the first book, which is sort of semi-short story, semi-short semi story, semi-novel, and then the second one here, uh, Sword of Destiny, um, I, I would read those two first. How He Meets Yennefer is a very, very f- dark fairy tale story about a genie, a genie and three wishes, if you can believe it. Um, and it looks like, based on this meeting here, which looks like you know Anne Hathaway and Dark uh, Dark Knight Rises or whatever with Bruce Wayne at the ball before she robs him, um, and the very Geralt dry humor there. Um, it looks like they're going to set them up in, in sort of a more standard way. That honestly makes much more sense with the the series saga books that this is all based on. Um, as much as I love The Last Wish, but I'm urging everyone to read The Last Wish, and if you can, uh, the second book, Sort of Destiny, um, because, uh, you know, if this is... Let's put it this way: the the sort of origin story of, of Siri being told by her dying grandmother, Queen Calenthe of Sintra, to go find Geralt is set up in the Last Wish, and then at the very end of Sword of Destiny, they end up together when it seems they're both dead and the world's ending. Somehow, fate brings them together at the time of need, and then you have the five book Siri saga, which is. You know your, your more traditional fantasy serialized books um, that go straight into the extended series epic. You've got the first two, Blood of Elves. I can't see my camera, so I'm assuming this is working. Uh, Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt, um, and uh, then Baptism of Fire, Tower of Swallows, Lady of the Lake. They are all excellent. Um, Blood of Elves is an amazing start to the series, but I am urging people to start to read the short story books. If you don't want to be spoiled on sort of the major plot twists, what I think are going to be the major plot twists, um, or at least plot points and reveals in the first season of The Witcher on the Netflix, uh, on Netflix, uh, then by, by reading The Last Wish and sort of Destiny, you get introduced to the characters in a way we might not have time in, at least initially, in the series to do. Um, and it's both hilarious and totally epic in totally different ways. The way he meets Dandelion the Bard, who we'll get back to, Yennefer, who's narrating for a lot of this trailer, um, his entrenched true love, um, that he falls head over heels for, to say the least, and sort of a biblical level of magic involved. Um, 
and uh, and then of course Siri, who becomes his adoptive daughter, and he constantly is about to, and arguably does give up his life numerous times to try and save her. And when he talks about, um, and we're about to run through the trailer, I'll talk a little bit about what you know, what what's sort of from the books, what's from the games, um, and how loyal it is to all the material. It is really impressive. Um, but the finding of Geralt by Siri um, it is it, it's cool because. It's sort of happening in the background of sort of destiny, but we don't see the entire journey. Um, we see them when they meet, and then they get separated, and then they meet again. Um, and so it's not that they're going to be doing a revision on, um, uh, so to speak, on um, uh, the meeting of Siri and the re-meeting. I, I think you know, um, well, he meets he he meets the mother um, and. Uh, in Sintra, um, in, in the first book, long before he knows for Siri, and that's when the prophecy starts. Um, so we might as well start going through the trailer, but I just want to emphasize if you want to read Blood of Elves in the five-book series saga, and by the way, these books look thick, but they're the new style of, of paperbacks. They're actually like half the length of most super long sci-fi fantasy books. Um, and, and the audiobooks are spectacular, read by Peter Kenny. Um, but if you want to be surprised by most of the stuff in the first season, but get a sense for the origin stories of the characters in, in relation to Geralt, The Witcher, and then definitely The ra- Last Wish and Sword of Destiny. Because The Sword of Destiny, the second book of short stories, and the second Witcher book, leads, you know, plot-wise, directly into the series saga of Blood of Elves. And if they follow the Game of Thrones models, um, they're going to do five seasons based on the five main series saga books, and then maybe continue onwards. Um, just the last couple of years, uh, for his eighth book, Andrzej Sapkowski, the Polish writer, went back to short stories in Season of Storms, which is a very kind of quote-unquote small prequel story that is mostly to do with Geralt losing his swords and Dandelion helping him, which is always hilarious. Uh, my biggest concern for the series is we don't get the hilarious Dandelion stuff, um, because as the books go along, things get super dark, and they don't have as much time for him and Geralt to be you know, constantly trying to one-up each other in wit and, and and so forth, and they're constantly yelling at each other and acting annoyed, but they love each other, and they always travel together. We get a quick shot of it here. Julian, a.k.a. Dandelion, a.k.a. Dandelion. Um, and so there, there, there's your warning. Um, also, you, sh- you should know that The Witcher 3, uh, The Witcher games, especially The Witcher 3, which is game of the year in 2015, one of the best video games of all time, they're very much drawing from things in the video games as well. Um, but specifically, you should know that The Witcher 3 comes after the series saga. So it starts with Blood of Elves, and then the fifth book, Lady of the Lake, and then uh, this is where the spoiler warning starts, guys. Um, and, uh, you know, if this isn't necessarily a spoiler for the TV show, but it is for the books and the video games, which is at the end of the series pentology, Lady of the Lake, she d- disappears when Yennefer and Geralt almost dead, trying to protect her. And it, the, the Wild Hunt, which is the, the title of and main part of The Witcher 3, which are elves 
really, really evil Sauron-esque elves from another dimension, essentially, another world, trying to conquer ours, specifically to get Ciri, who's a half-breed of, of elf and human. Unlike most half-elves in, in uh, f- fiction and on screen, she looks more human than elf, but she has tons of elf blood, and she's basically Luke Skywalker or Rey, she, or Nia. She is the one, um, but she's way more complicated uh, and fleshed out than those characters, and her situation is way more complicated um, than those characters and The Witcher 3 is her coming back after many years um, and deciding that she's going to make a stand with all the good guys especially including Yennefer Geralt and some other characters uh, make a stand against the Wild Hunt and it's a glorious video game so here we go we're going to go through the trailer I'm going to um, uh, I think I will mute the trailer or put the volume super low and uh yeah, and and I'll 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 talk what's from where, um, and you know. But spoiler alert: they're absolutely nailing the source material. It's like seventy-five, eighty percent from the book, twenty, twenty-five from the video game is absolutely perfect. So let's get our uh, run through going here. All right, guys. One nice little background. I'm gonna get the display capture going here. Back to the beginning of the trailer. Uh, do want to point one thing out. I have an amazing map here of the mainlands of the Witcher, which are really important and, and like with Tolkien, extremely helpful in, in orienting you about what's going on. Um, and you know, it's like with Tolkien, it's, it's reminiscent of some parts of of Europe. Uh, it's really a combination of sort of north central and then central and sort of the beginning of southern central Europe all put together um, in uh, in one area. Um, just for a rough view, sort of this is the main area you are in in the game. Uh, but Siri is from way down here in in Sintra. Um, which is related to the Skellige Isles, who are the Viking people, um, who Mausek, this guy, he doesn't look exactly like this, but the bearded guy played by Adam Levy in the trailer, who is a, a druid and, and wise man and seer from the Skellige Islands and their cousins in Sintra, where Siri is from, is very important in the short stories, and uh, they're, they're pushing them up front into the main tale here, which is, is so super important. Um, so I'll have the map there as well. So, um, all right, so let's go through uh, the trailer. We start with but just like the bodies strewn around. I mean, the very first shot is just dead, but human bodies everywhere. And, you know, the guys, you should know, if you're not aware, Geralt is technically a monster hunter who gets paid to kill monsters who are bothering humans, but humans are really the problem, killing each other and killing lots of innocent non-humans, um, not only elves, dwarves, hobbits, and so forth, um, in the way that's talked about in the language of genocide and ethnic cleansing uh, by the author Sapkowski, um, but a lot of times they attack the forest creatures, and the force creatures only attack back to, to defend themselves, and so if Geralt can resolve things non-violently, even with big scary monsters, um, he, he will do so, and he'll also take retribution on humans who are tormenting other humans, or non-humans, or even innocent monsters. Um, and the fact that he's only fighting one monster, and we hear Yennefer um, talking about you know being a monster hunter, um, it's not that they're not going to have cool scary monsters in the series, but it's not always going to go the way 
you think we're just slaughtering monsters because the monsters are often very smart, very old, very wise, even if they have trouble communicating. And he he will listen. He will hear them out. Um, so here are the dead bodies. Uh, I have a little bit of sound. All right, let's go. There's the sword. Okay, purple eyes. Uh, two things. I thought, you know, they wouldn't just cast all white people in The Witcher, and thank God that's the case. This actress, Anya Shalatra, is a, a, a Indian, English, British Indian, a woman. Uh, one of her parents is from India, and one is English, um, but she has beautiful black hair. She's a very mysterious, seductive, and powerful look, and they give her the purple eyes. Uh, you know, the main characteristics of, of Yennefer uh, are purple eyes, the jet black hair. Uh, she wears only black and white, generally, including a medallion around her neck. I don't know if, if we'll see that. And as we hear over and over again from Geralt when he's dreaming about her, she smells of lilac and gooseberries, as they say, lilac and gooseberries. That's sort of her perfume. So there's the purple eye. So they start with Yennefer, which is awesome. She's such a complicated character. Um, all right. I've heard tales of your kind, Witcher. Boom. Already amazing swordplay. Tons of slaughter. Okay. This shot right here of the lighthouse that looks like it's off the coast of, the, of Scandinavia is indeed a lighthouse off the coast of what's essentially his, uh, their version of Scandinavia called the Skellige Islands, which is very important for Geralt and Ciri. For while they're very Viking and in some ways sort of backward or considered backward by the mainlanders, just like in real medieval history, uh, they're also the most honorable and true and have the deepest spirituality they have respect for spellcasters and they have respect for special people and so they actually end up trying to help shelter Siri all the way from the beginning up through the video game but this shot here um, with the fortress on one side and the old lighthouse on the other um, is uh, is some, uh, something that visually in terms of the quests around it and all the dragons and giant monsters around this thing uh, it's pulled straight from the video game uh, even the rock formation sort of uh, down uh, below, so sort of to the down to the left of the tower there. The only way to get into the tower initially, because the bridge is broken, is to swim underneath. Try not to get eaten by goblins who are swimming around and going through the basement there. Um, and so this is again, this is the first example of a shot that could easily be from the book. That's totally in the spirit of the book. Might even be described at some point in the book, but is a really big deal in terms of the geography of the the video game. And, and they're not even trying to hide it um and uh i'm gonna save the you know did they need lots of people's permission or just the author who is an executive producer and creative executive producer on this andre slipkowski beautiful shot of the lighthouse straight from the witcher 3 uh, there there's one for the video game let me just make sure this is recording all right we should be good you're a mutant okay so here he is Right, so he has to ride around covered up. He tries not to give away the fact that he's a witcher. The problem with Geralt is he's such a powerful um, but but good-hearted knight. He, he ends up becoming, like Captain America in the Marvel movies or whatever, he ends up becoming a celebrity within this medieval world where people know the White Wolf, as they call him, the... the, the, the um, 
uh, Geralt of Rivia, the White Wolf. And so even the people that hate him, which we're about to see in the second throwing rocks at him, pretty much know who he is. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is they they hate him more for knowing who he is, but there's also people who really either are scared of him, or, uh, which they should be, or respect him. Um, and, and the video game really stresses that different parts of the world and different types of people respect you. It's not just if you help them or not. You know, some of them you'll you're unable to help, and they don't hold it against you. And sometimes you help them, and you still are forced to kill them or or you know walk away unsettled, and them having hurled curses at you uh, and so forth. So here's the the it you know they call him a mutant. It's a exactly the opposite of X-Men mutancy. Um, here they take young boys, um, sort of like yeah, like Jedi, uh, you know, uh, away from their parents. Um, it, sometimes they're given, sometimes they're taken. It's very complicated. We do know something about Geralt's mom, at least, uh, which I'm not going to talk about now from the, from the short stories. Um, and they go through this process where they take a lot of like hallucinogenic and other powerful chemicals, and only something like 60 or 70 percent survive uh, the, the process that gives them the crazy orange cat eyes they can see in the dark. Their heart rate it only goes one fourth of hours, so they can move silently. They can hold their breath for a long time. They become superhumans. But even though they're called mutants, it's actually more like the Captain America Hulk super serum stuff. The only difference is, unlike Hulk, um, it, it does add greatly to their physical power and does give them some magic. Um, uh, but it is drawing from stuff they are already have, we think, uh, and they can never reach the magical heights of the women, which is very much from Dune, the Bene Gesserit, you know, the, the, the extremely powerful witches, as they're called, uh, but really sisterhood that's running the galaxy has powers that very few men have. And the Witcher, indeed, the Witchers are quite powerful, as we'll continue to see, uh, including some basic magic. Um, but from a magic standpoint, and even sort of an intellectual standpoint, the enchantresses and the sorceresses like Yennefer and others, some of whom are you know, even better people um, who, who just want to help, like Triss Marigold, who I did not believe is in this trailer, um, but, but other ones uh, like Philippa and, um, and Francesca and some others who are actually quite worse than Yennefer, or at least on par with Yennefer's bad side. Um, and Yennefer has a, has a pretty dark side, to say the least. So this is called The Trial of the Grasses, I believe, um, as we hear the and see the introduction of Yennefer. There it is. There's the processing. Oh, there's Dandelion. I missed it. At 18, let me go back. It was one second shot. Right there. Okay. So there's Geralt on his horse, Roach. He calls all of his horses Roach, which is funny. Um, but he does try and keep the same horse if he can. He is a warrior who knows sometimes horses are going to die or you have to run them into the ground for survival. Um, sometimes you switch horses. But even when he does, he calls them Roach. But he has a gruff affection for them. And that's Dandelion the Bard, who they're not featuring whatsoever in the trailers. He's not one of the main names on the list. It would make sense to introduce him slowly because he's incredibly, you know, he's this absolutely epic, brilliant bard minstrel. You know, it's like he's like the Beatle. He's like John Lennon in terms of his fame and his skill in the musical and, and poetic arts. Um, but he's as d more diva-ish than the most diva-ish rock star that you've ever heard of. 
um, and he's constantly complaining and constantly think he's smarter than everyone. And he did graduate from their version of Oxford, Oxenford, at the top of his class, even though his professors and, and his fellow classmates couldn't stand him. So he, he, he's brilliant as well in, in the sciences and, and so forth. Um, but he's immediately attracted to Geralt. And while Geralt's constantly telling him to shut up, and, and Dandelion's constantly going above his pay grade into being adventurous and, and heroic. Um, and when he's cowardly, of course, he writes songs about how he had to save Geralt like, from the monsters and so forth to get women. Um, you know, on the surface, he's just an, an annoying, egotistical, prissy dandy, which is why he's called Dandelion. Um, and uh, but you, you see, and and this is another reason to start with the Last Wish and sort of Destiny, the short story books. Is so many amazing tales of just the two of them and their misadventures, sometimes involving monsters, sometimes involving creatures like elves and halflings and changelings, um, uh, and you know, always sticking together, even though it seems irrational. But as the series goes on, um, uh, the author and the characters start commenting on and realizing why. They're so perfect together, as as different as they are. So there he is, Julian, a.k.a. Dandelion, a.k.a. I guess occasionally Dandelion. All right. Okay, right there. Again, it was a one-second clip. Right, 18 seconds. This is called the Ard sign. So they use sigils and runes and signs, um, you know, taking from Northern Europe and Scandinavia, do the Witchers. Now, Witcher, uh, in the game, and I, I think in the books, um, but in the game, there's five very specific magical th- signs that have variations, but there's basically five spells um, that, you know, in the, in the sort of continuum of magic, you would consider mild to medium powerful magic but when you combine it with your fighting it's it, it, it takes it up to super powerful magic because you know unlike sorcerers and sorceresses who often are frail or, or don't like to fight or can't fight the, the witcher signs are really to supplement what he's doing with the sword and the rest of his arsenal uh, two of the signs are essentially defensive uh, one's called Irdin um, and creates a purple a set of purple runes around you which you know basically debuff any creatures that come in so their defenses are lower it's easier to hit them um, you can trap you know spirits um, uh, that you know uh, and uh, other supernatural creatures that can blink in and out of existence you can trap them so you can get some hits on them uh, and they're not just constantly running away from you um, it, it lowers their uh, um, basically it's it's really especially meant for you know like uh, flying uh, uh, um, uh, uh, spirit creatures who can become invisible um, and you have to just slow down because by the time you move to where they are, they've already moved or are launching a major attack on you uh, and you can do different things. So it's Irden, uh, which is sort of a, a defensive, uh, a magical defensive shield around you. Um, well, it's not, it's not actually a shield. It's, it's sort of a... Um, uh, it's like a safe a safe zone that's like six meters by six meters. Uh, it's a circle. Um, although, of course, you can expand it and grow it and do things where it, it, it does more, but that's essentially what it is. The other defensive one, which is, you know, in the game, it, it, it's almost... Um, uh, it's not cheating, but if the second defensive uh, spell of the of the, of the five Witcher spells is called Quen, which is just a fire shield. Um, so you're just you know crackling with energy that the enemies can't see, and not only do the first few hits that you take from swords or o- other enemies 
bounce off, but they get damaged by it. And the more you increase the skill, you can even create a bubble of energy around you that, you know, blocks even more attacks and more powerful attacks. It's like watch, you know, walking in a giant golden glow, uh, translucent glow globe, but you know, it, it even restores your health while you're inside. Um, and so when you're playing on harder levels, you have to rely on Quen. Uh, when you're playing more on normal difficulty like me, I try and do as many battles without Quen as possible. It'll be interesting to see um, if, if they use Quen a lot, the Quen sign in this, because um, it's actually pretty easy to do the special effects on it, because like I said, other than a very sort of vague, faint crackling of energy around you, um, you know, bad guys, and so we also, we the viewers, um, uh, unless we see him cast it, won't really know that it's there, and then someone will hit him with a sword, and he'll bounce back 10 feet and be on fire um, from the sign. Of course, you can eventually break through it, but then you can cast it again. Uh, you know, the, the way magic works in, in The Witcher, it has to do with adrenaline, and, and when you get beat up, you lose adrenaline, and you can't cast spells, but when you start beating other people up or, or casting spells effectively, your adrenaline rises... You know, a lot of games like this, Assassin's Creed and so forth, and then you can cast your spells. So, Quen, the the the, the fire shield, and Irden, the sort of runic defensive, um, you know, area effect a spell, the defensive spells. Um, there's also an offensive fire spell, which again is, is very basic, called Igni, like Igneous, and which you just throw a fireball. I mean, so, you know, sometimes it's a single flash. Sometimes you can, you know, really, really shoot fire out of your fingertips. Again, my first time through the, the fire stuff, you know, like in all of these types of games, uh, which are three, of course, I'm talking about, I, I got super powerful in fire, but it, even on a normal difficulty, it, it got too easy until I started experimenting with other stuff. I'm pretty sure we'll see fire come out of his fingertips, um, although he doesn't use it much in the book. It, um, in the game, it's great too because you can turn on and off campfires and lights and torches with a snap. And so I think we're going to see more of like little gags or just, you know, like we don't need a torch because my fingers are a torch kind of thing rather than him burning people to death, especially because the enchantresses, you're going to want to give the giant fireball power, which we'll see later in the trailer. Okay, and this shot, 18 seconds, is Ard. And it's just like in the game and how it's described in the book. It's a rippling of air. It's, you know, it's as if you throw uh, a fireball at somebody, but it, there's no fire. It's just the, you know, the the air current explosion. Um, and you know, if if you don't watch closely with the trailer, it's one second long. Other than the sound cue, you might not notice it. Uh, art is great for pushing people back, uh, but, but and he's using it exactly here. How you do in the game, which is, you know, the one thing Gout has trouble with with his giant sword is, is shields, um, because you got to get around the shield guys or get rid of their shield somehow you can burn the shields but the metal shields and so forth don't really burn so the best thing to do is ard it, it, it at the very least does what it's doing here where they're kind of bounced back and you know they lose their balance so you can come in and slash them and murder them um but in the game you get very powerful and you're facing guys like this they just fall straight on their back and Geralt. we're gonna see in the second to last shot of this he jumps over and just shoves the sword straight down so boom hit him with a gust of air so hard falls on your back and before the guy can even raise his shield or move or react Geralt's there killing him immediately and this is important about Geralt is Geralt is 
in the books and the game we're going to see in the show is he kills a lot of people, um, usually for good reason, uh, and, and definitely by, for, by necessity when he has to, and he does it in creative ways because he's just so overpowerful and strong, and he moves like a, a, a ballet dancer, a, a, a brutally violent ballet dancer, but nevertheless, as we're about to see, which is why they keep stressing uh, they keep stressing dancing in this, but also the big one-shot that's coming up of him with the sword, um, but so he'll slice guys like diagonally, you know, so like shoulder to knee, and, and or, or goblins, uh, and, and they do it in slow motion. And there's blood everywhere, and it, it's it's great to watch. Um, but he never tortures. I mean, even when he maybe should torture to get information, he refuses to do it. He'll threaten people with killing them, and he'll, if 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 necessary, he'll go through with that threat. Um, but he doesn't torture. He's and I'm gonna save the Star Wars stuff. Um, but The Witcher, although it looks like Game of Thrones to you guys, if you're not sure. What it is or what you're looking at thematically, uh, you know, even with the medieval violence and the darkness, when it comes to Siri being essentially, you know, a Skywalker or Ray, sort of the next Messiah, um, and but, but also your good guys can be very violent, like the Jedi during the Clone Wars, like Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Uh, you know, Geralt is like that. He'll kill bad guys, a lot of them, but he definitely never tortures. You know, go for the head or, or, or whatever he can get at. So this is the art sign, and the fifth sign is Jedi mind tricks actually it's called um Ix- Ixie, I believe, uh, and Ixie, uh is something you you sort of get early in the game. You put a lot into because simple-minded NPCs, non-player characters, characters who are hiring you or thinking of attacking you or so forth. If they're simple-minded enough, you, he literally does the mind tr- the Jedi mind trick thing. These aren't the droids are looking for on them. Now you do see the sort of triangular Ixie sign. Um, uh, to show that it's happening uh, to, to the player or the audience, I'm pretty sure we are going to see that because it's not straight mind control. It's exactly the Jedi thing, which is to briefly get simple-minded people to uh, uh, um, you know, be convinced of a different reality or that you're not there or that they don't actually want to murder everyone in the bar and they're just tired and they should go home, like that kind of thing. You can't use it to confuse dumb monsters. It's not really that useful um, in, in big combat, though. There's usually too many uh, of the monsters, although it is fun to kind of use on big dumb trolls and ogres who are smashing you otherwise. So those are the five signs. So here's R to 18 seconds. Okay, and how's our recording going here? Where is my recording? Sorry guys, I'm bouncing to my uh, oh there it is, 20 minutes. Okay, we'll try and move a little bit quicker. We don't want your kind here. Right, don't want you kind. This is this is the hatred. There. Right, we saw, okay, so, in the woods, looking pretty good, I mean, you know, it, it's like Gollum level, these creatures, um, there's so many creatures in the bestiary, in, in the games, and there's a lot in the books, but the games really go into an insane level of number of, of monsters, you're almost never fighting the same kind of monsters uh, over and over again throughout the game, um, but uh, yeah, it's looking pretty good, and this stuff always gets better in the actual series as it goes forward. 
Okay, so there's some killing. Right, so he, we see him fighting a monster. We're not killing the monster, and now we see him killing people, which I'm talking about, which is, you know, there's, I think maybe the first scene, and I have no knowledge of this, is going to be him versus a monster, and the audience is going, oh, here's Geralt the Monster Slayer I heard so much about. Instead, they're going to have, like, an intellectual conversation, and he's going to end up having to kill the humans and save the monster, which is not what the audience is expecting, but exactly what Geralt is often having to do. Boom. Right, so here's the Selena Kyle thing, and this is the one sort of cute, funny line. Um, and this is the major departure that I was talking about, uh, where you know at the end of the Last Wish in the, in the chapter called the Last Wish um, in the book, the Last Wish uh, is how he meets Yennefer, and, and she's this really horrible, manipulative, you know, bordering on evil or just power hungry uh, enchantress who is is hundreds of years old, even though she looks twenty nine and is gorgeous. We come to learn that many of the sorcerers have. Have made themselves look pretty or handsome and were quite ugly initially and that's part of their obsession with power um, it's something we see with witches and fairy tales it's a big part of the, the, the magic users in The Witcher but they meet in a very like I said dark fairy tale way where he binds them together with the last wish um, but they still have problems over time even though they're bound and, and the last wish is actually dispelled and dealt with towards the like middle end of the Witcher 3 game main story but but right before all the shit hits the fan Lucere him and, and Yennefer decide together to get a genie and break the last wish and see if they still love each other and that becomes a, a, a choice of the the player of course I always choose to end up them together. The first time I did it, I hadn't read the books, but it still felt like Geralt was never going to love anyone like her, so I, I had to try to get them together, and it worked. Um, and then, of course, after reading all the books and going back, it's clearly the love of his... I mean, the two things you are so against canon, you can do in the video game is alienate Ciri um, as your father figure and alienate and push away Yennefer as, as the woman you, you love. But this, them meeting, because Geralt, as much of a beast as he is, and, you know, kings and princes and lords are constantly threatening to kill him and put him out of his misery, but they also need him sometimes. And so him and Yennefer do end up going to court together or, or just meeting at court together because she, of course, is also um, in the category of should we murder her or hire her and use her uh, category uh, uh, among the leaders. Fangs so this is a... Right, fangs or horns or something. I had, I had them filed down. It's always great to see the woman smile sexily. Very reminiscent, you know, Amelia Clark. You look good, rough around the edges, but good. To Han Solo in the, in the trailer, um, uh, for for Solo. Okay, so here comes the spiritual stuff. That's people call you a monster too, right? And this is the thing. I, I mean. He, he gets physically attacked and mentally and verbally, you know, stoned and beaten constantly. This is a direct stoning in, in a square. I don't know if this happens in the books, but it's completely within something that would ha- happen in Geralt's life in the books and thematically there. Um, and while he, he sounds increasingly uh, uh, negative uh, and nihilistic as the trailer goes on, 
his response to this question of why don't you just kill these horrible people who want you dead and he says you know because then I am what they think I am meaning I am a monster so he has to resist and not kill people until last resort uh, is is straight from the book and is what separates it from grim dark fantasy like Game of Thrones where your major characters in terms of screen time or time on page are generally horrible horrible people or amoral at best Geralt is a true hero deep down um, but despite all the dark around him so this might be Triss Marigold who's in the woods with him I'm not sure okay here it is this is Queen Calanthe the grandmother of Ciri they're connected because Geralt helps Queen Calanthe and Sintra but years before uh, before oh look at the sword the single shot sword fighting yeah, there's Roach don't judge me so Geralt basically um, is in court with Mousesack the the bearded guy who we're going to start seeing more of in this trailer who's also from Skellige but also advises in Sintra which is across the water from Skellige so the two Vikingish kind of cultures um, and uh, and Geralt happens to be there on a night when some crazy magical stuff happens and the woman who had become Ciri's mom the daughter of Queen Calanthe um, uh, and, and it turns out that she's having a love affair with an animal from the woods who's actually a human but you know again fairy tale thing who's a prince that, that turns into a hedgehog or something um uh you know at a certain at like midnight um uh or, or i'm sorry between midnight he's human between midnight and dawn uh, otherwise is a hedgehog and they fall in love with each other and, and of course the queen and no one people are not going to have this this devilry um uh, but Geralt ends up intervening when things go really bad Ciri's mom displays a, a immense amount of magical power that no one sees coming which is the hint that Ciri's bloodline is powerful um, and he reconciles the situation, and that's where the prophecy begins. It has to do with the law of surprise, which he invokes, which basically it's like, uh, you know, the next time I'm here, the thing that's been a, become a surprise, uh, I, I will claim as my own. Of course, it becomes Siri in a, a non-traditional way. It's hard to describe how that goes down. It's equally hard to describe how Geralt is sort of prophetic about Siri. Um, and they mostly leave it to the imagination of, of the, us readers, but also to the other characters around Ciri and Geralt, trying to figure out how this prophecy came into play. Um, but it's definitely, even though Ciri's parents die, or apparently die when she's very young, her grandmother's still around, she's told by her nursemaid stories of Geralt of Rivia, the witcher, and when Sintra's burned to the ground, which we're going to see, her city, and she has to go on the run, hiding that she's a princess with lots of power, she's just trying to find Geralt, and the the two, you know, major sort of lore chapters in Sword of Destiny, which leads right into the series saga, which this series is based on, has to do with them finding each other. It takes quite a while before they even realize it's one, one another. And Geralt realizes, Geralt realizes it's Siri and who Siri kind of is, like truly, and that Siri is confirmed to her that it's Geralt. Um, and, uh, <coughs> and, you know and then Geralt doesn't even want to take it on and, and he almost screws it up and she almost dies with her people because Geralt doesn't want to take on the responsibility but fate brings them together at the end of Sword of Destiny and, and then that leads into the series okay so this is directly from the first scene of The Witcher it turns out to be a dream but it's a classic first scene uh, from the Witcher, there's Nilfgaard always dressed in black. Uh, you know they have very angular features. That is Adam Levy there with the beard. He plays Mausak, who's the druid. 
there's there's Sintra burning, which is Siri City. I think this is this woman's playing another one of the enchantresses. I'm not sure which one. That beautiful black woman, more great sword fighting. Princess Sorella, yes. Right, it's your destiny. I mean, the thing is, is everyone uses the destiny talk in you know in, in movies, but it, but it ultimately all comes from Lord of the Rings and Dune. And now you know, The Witcher being from the '90s, we're certainly pulling from some combination of Dune, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, but also you know Germanic and Polish myths and so forth. Um, but you know, the sword of destiny, like I, I said, the book, the, the notion of fate and destiny is constantly up for grabs from in terms of philosophical debate in uh, the uh, um, in the uh, uh, in, in the book series. Um, and so, you know, in this very dark foreboding trailer where it's like series, your destiny, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it seems kind of cliched, but, you know, I think people will be able to stick around long enough to realize it's much more complicated in Geralt. You know, it, it always ends up fighting for Siri because she's Siri, not because they've said it's his destiny, or even he sort of accidentally made it his destiny. So he ends with some fighting, and uh, he's talking about how all forms of evil are evil lower evil, higher evil, middling evil. I don't know what this red thing is with the bleeding hands. There's the Return of the King shot. The girl who p- p- plays Siri looks amazing. Okay, that shot right there. Where he shoves the sword into the ground right here. That's what happens in the video game when you use the Ard sign to push a guy off his feet, and then Geralt just leaps on him and just puts the sword right through his his head or his heart or whatever. Um, I don't see a guy there. It looks more like he's just pissed, but that's the exact move you use when a you know, sort of lower level goblin or or just like pirate or bandit is on the ground. And I'll take that chance. And then that shot here is when you take too many potions, you really start looking quite horrible. And you have to rest and, and recuperate. They take these potions to give them big boosts of vitality, energy, strength, slowing down time, enhancing their cat eye, seeing all sorts of stuff, um, and, and, and so forth. So, uh, so yeah, so, you know, the, the bathtub scene image wise is straight from the video game. Um, let's see, where, where is that? Where's the bathtub? There it is. So this is straight from the beginning of The Witcher 3, and then of course the other, the, the execution of the Ard sign here against the guys, where he's throwing them back, the sound, the movement, straight from using the Ard sign in the game, although he, it's probably the sign he does, he also uses the most in, um, in the the books, because you know it doesn't cause everything to to to, to catch uh, burst catch on fire and burst into flame. Um, it, it, you know it's kind of subtle. You can sort of control how much he uses it. Doesn't draw as much attention as as the other stuff, which is you know more flash and bang uh, type magic. Um, and uh, but 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 also I, I called an offensive spell like Igni, which lights things on fire. But it's also to just push people back who are crowding you to give you room to fight. So it's also a defensive spell that that all very much represents um, you know who Geralt is and, and how he operates. So again, I'm curious to see if this meeting at a ball at a political event with an orgy in the background, um, which is interesting. Honestly, I saw, I assumed that there were near naked people when I first watched this. I couldn't believe on rewatches that you can clearly see a bunch of naked women, um, and they're almost in focus too. And they released this on Netflix. I, I don't know if they're going to get in trouble for this or they care. 
Um, you know, the scenery is all going to look like Scandinavia and Northern Europe because that's where it's from. This woman here who, who's wearing the pin, uh, I don't know to say... Uh, yeah, there's a number of other... Freya Allen's one who plays Siri. She looks amazing, the blonde hair girl. Now, Siri is definitely supposed to be, you know, again, a, a dark take on uh, Germanic, Central European uh, fairy tale myths. And so her being this sort of <clears throat> beautiful but innocent young girl in the forest um, is very intentional from the books. Um, and, uh, you know, in the game, she's much older, having left this world, essentially, for a number of years. Um, but here she's still between a girl and a young woman, uh, as she is in the book. So the, the age casting and the looks is great. What's really great, though, is she just looks helpless and scared, like all the young women in Game of Thrones do. But she actually has an incredible attitude and is constantly, you know, talking against her superiors and people who are telling her not to talk, because she is a princess, but she's brilliant and She's extremely proud and stubborn, and so we're going to see. Hopefully, if they play, if they do Siri right, you know, it is. And one of the reasons Geralt loves her is even Geralt. She's constantly standing up to and contradicting things that he says or not doing what he wants her to do. Um, and that's ultimately one of the reasons why he, Geralt needs to bring uh, the various enchantresses who he's in love with, especially Yennefer, but also Triss Marigold and some of the others. Look, mm, she's beautiful. Anya Shalotra. I think it's great. You know, I can already see people being like, oh, Yennefer's white. Well, shut up, guys. You're idiots. This woman, you, the way she talks, the purple eyes, it, it, she's got that look. Because Yennefer is very aggressive, very stubborn and proud, just like Siri, which is why they make a great mother-daughter duo, ultimately, with Geralt as sort of the dad. Um, but, but, but Yennefer will all it will get very pouty at, at times and sometimes it's just to screw with Geralt or just to get her away but sometimes it's because she's never loved a man until she loves Geralt and even though they the wish you know the last wish is operating they truly feel unbelievably strong feelings for each other and so you know there's this this sense of almost hopelessness in Yennefer's eyes here at 47 seconds of I promised myself in my hundreds of years of living I would sleep with whoever I want and maybe have lo little love affairs here and there, but never fall for someone in such a metaphysical, metaphysical and existentially deep sense, and that's what's going on. Um, the Sintran politics are, are going to be great. Um, you know, stressing um, uh, Adam Levy, who plays Malsack, who's a druid, uh, is important because he's the one who's going to teach us about the spirituality behind all this, the forces of nature, but also dealing with the forces of modernity. But because, you know, Sintra ends up burning, here's where I'll bring up the map. Um, so, let's see. So here's Sintra right here, right, to sort of in the south part of the map. Um, it's the sort of most southern of the northern kingdoms and the big bad guys in the games and in a lot of the books are south of here um in uh in, in Nilfgaard and they're invading the north and, and got, get quite far uh in the north but you don't actually get to go to Sintra because Sintra has been burned by the time you play The Witcher 3 but across the water here the Skellige Islands you do spend a lot of time in and they're friends and they help shelter Ciri and they help Yennefer 
you know, as cra- crazy Viking, Vikingy as they are, um, they're very dependable. They, they have an amazing attachment to nature and belief in respect for the magical arts, and they just love Siri and they believe in what's you know they, they they're some of the only ones who buy the craziness that's the wild hunt of elves from another dimension, um, you know, who are coming to to destroy this world and and, and you know. It, take serious power and then kill her and, and everyone who stands in their way. And so the Skellige Islands are, are huge. Um, but it looks like we do see... I would be shocked. That's the amazing sword fight. Let's see. There's evil people fighting. All right, here's the evil Nelf Guardians. They always dress in black. Here's Mausak, who's the Druid. I mean, you know, they, they have to make him look sort of court-ready. Um... Once, once he goes back to Skellige, he starts looking sort of more old-school Viking, as I showed you with uh, with this picture here. Um, and this. I, I believe this is Sintra burning. And the Guardians burn a lot, but in terms of an entire kingdom and a major, you know, ginormous city, of at that time it's been probably 50,000 people, burn. It, it's called the Massacre of Sintra. I mean, there's not even a dispute, even by the bad guys, that it was a massacre. And they talk about how it's not the sacking of Sintra or the fall of Sintra, it's the Massacre of Sintra. So that's right here. Um, now in the uh, game, um, so Vizima is uh, the court of um, of Temeria, <coughs> excuse me, which is another major kingdom that gets thrown down or almost thrown down by the Nilfgaardians. But Oxenford here, and especially Novigrad right here, like it's a little blocky. Uh, this is the capital, and these are free cities. I mean, even during the war, Redan- the Redanians are a major force in the north going against the, the southern um, uh, Nelf Guardians. But you know, there's constant threats from all the powers to take over the commercial capital. You know, it's basically the Netherlands. I mean, Ox- Oxenfurt, um, uh, you know, could be Oxford, but it could also be. Um, you know, one of the, the the Sorbonne or you know one of the major uh, um, medieval institutes uh, in the in the Netherlands, of which there are a number. And Novigrad is certainly like like you know what Amsterdam was like in the 14, 15, and sixteen hundreds. Um, and so you spend a lot of your game uh, playing here. And then um, the other important thing is way up in the northeast, even in the northern kingdoms, is Kaer Morhen. These are the, the witches are, are based. And another great thing is, you know, like with Tolkien, that's the, the age of elves is ending and the age of man, man has come, for better or worse. Uh, the magic, the magic in the world is somewhat disappearing. Witchers' work is harder to come by uh, in the time of the of the show and the books. And Kaer Morhen is sort of falling to pieces. And there's only a handful of like real witchers left at this point um, who are sort who are good witchers and don't take advantage of people. Um, and there's a sadness about, you know, as screwed up as the whole mutancy process is, there's a sadness about them all leaving. Here's Vengenberg, where Yennefer is from, and Rivia, where Geralt says he's from. It's not clear whether he's from there or that's just the place he took on. Here's Toussaint, um, which there's a whole side campaign in Witcher 3. Uh, they're very, they're the, the French, essentially. This is straight up called Bruges or Brugge. Um, but the, the major. Um, uh, this this river here, the Yuruga, is is the major dividing line that's talked about constantly, and we're going to see, I, I'm sure, because when the Nilfgaardians come north and sack Sintra, and then try and go even further north to go after um, 
especially Tamaria and Redania, and, and as well as the free cities of Novograd and Oxenfurt. You know, that's what I'm not sure exactly where they're starting the books, um, but uh, that gives you a sense of the lands of the Witcher. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, I also, I think we'll release this as an audio podcast and uh, we'll be definitely covering this more soon in all formats coming up. I've been The Bizzle. This has been a Bizzlecast production um, covering The Witcher Netflix, December 20th, my sister's birthday. I cannot wait. Um, thanks for joining. Uh, but for now, I'm out.